Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Bench Mob ENT podcast, the best sports podcast in New Jersey. We have a special guest with us today. Ezene Kalu is in the building. How are you doing? What's going on? I'm doing good, actually. It's a nice little Sunday over here. I'm in Italy at the moment. It's uh, 7 o'clock, but I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm good. That's dope. So I'm literally, I paused it. I'm watching the Equalizer 3. That's based in Italy. So that's wild that you're uh-huh. <laughs> whole thing. Jersey, as you know, it was like 82 yesterday. Today is raining and cold. So good old Jersey. Really? Yeah. Good literally. old bipolar Jersey weather. <laughs> literally. Before we even start, I see the shirt. Can you tell me about the shirt? Yes, I got this shirt at um at this place called the Jalop Festival. I hosted this past summer, and um it pretty much says you are Jalop rice. Don't let nobody treat you like plain white rice. That just means you know you know your value. You know who you are. You know where you come from. Don't let nobody treat you nothing less than that. And this shirt for sure I had the wear today to represent my all my Nigerian people out there in Jersey, all my Nigerian people across the world. So yeah, this is. Read that, read that, read that. <laughs> nah, that's facts, because jollof is way better than just white rice. For those that don't yeah, exactly. know, you need to go exactly. check it out. Jollof rice, it'll change your life. Different, right. completely different. So for those that don't know, you are a professional basketball player. You've been doing this for a while. You are successful at it. When did your love for basketball start? I think my love started maybe third grade. And it's crazy because basketball was not my first sport. Like, I was, mm. my mother tried to get me to play small fry basketball, and I just wasn't into it. Like, I was all into the chili the vibe, step team vibes. I don't want to sweat. Sport is for boys. But third grade, I started playing small fry, and I started at uh, Westside Park. It used to be called UCC. And I started there, and I, I picked up a ball, and I kind of just fell in love with it. I was the only girl out there on the court with a whole bunch of boys. And it was just fun being able to, you know, being able to see myself get talented and, and learn a different skill and actually be start out kind of good. And once I picked up a ball that day in third grade and started playing small for, I'm like, yeah, mom, like, I, I want to do this. I want to keep doing this every day. I want to try to get better. And I just stuck with it ever since then. Shout out to mom. She knew. Right. She put the ball and in. And it's crazy because it's crazy because my mom didn't even play sports growing up. So mm. she took me how to play. And I was just like, to see how I took that and kind of took it far than what I, than what I did, it, it was just crazy to me. And the first thing she took was defense. Shout out to mom. She already knew. She... <laughs> exactly. Mom, mom knew. <laughs> She knew she ain't have to have played it. She knew start off with defense and you're uh-huh. going to be just fine. Right. You, what do you love most about the game of basketball? Um, I think the competitiveness, mm-hmm. you know, and the compet. Well, honestly, I think the competitive competitiveness and the levels to it, right? Mm-hmm. And when I say levels, because like you got the street ball where you just known for just just hooping, playing, not calling fouls, don't care what you got on, whether it's indoor, outdoor, you just playing, whether y'all going to seven points or 21 points. And then you got the kind of like the profession, the the professional level where you got to think more with your IQ, more with your mind, and you got to outsmart who you playing against. And then you have the 
the real, real top professional level where it's like, ah, you can't just rely on talent. What else can you do? Can you defend? Can you shoot for three? Can you can you get your teammates open? Can you move without the ball? Are you smart? Like when you're not in the game, can you be a leader and be effective and help your team with basketball? So I think I love the levels and then also to the competitiveness. Like I love being able to play against somebody who who the world say might be better than me or who might be better than me on paper. That's a chance for me to play against them and get better. Well, I love playing against uh teams who are like the top teams and we're the underdog team. And it's it's you know they everybody think that the underdog team gonna lose by thirty or the underdog team ain't, ain't can't stand can't stand a chance to get this top team and then you see miracles you know you see you see the the Iowa's beat the South Carolina and you see the the Virginians beat the beat the beat the you see the Princeton's beat the Virginians and you see the the North Carolina team beat it's just the competition I, I love the competition I love being able to play in the game and bring my style of play to the game for sure. I want to ask this because you mentioned the competitiveness and you mentioned the different levels. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that being from Jersey, like that comes with being a Jersey baller? Because, you know, it said that people from Jersey, they're competitive. They're going to talk trash. Tri-state area, period. If you're from the tri-state area, you're going to talk trash. You playing defense and you're going to compete regardless. No matter if the person's six foot four and you five foot, five foot ten. Mm -hmm. We out here to compete. Is that would you say that encompasses Jersey basketball and that's what influenced you in a sense to where you view basketball now? Yeah, definitely. Um, Cause like, I, like, like, you know, North, I come from North, the number block, 17th street, 18th Ave. I live right down the street from 17th street school. I live right down the street from, from Westside park. Like literally I still remember my, my crossing garlic name is Pebbles. Like I, like I come from number block. So I understand what it means to really get it out the mud. And when I started out in sports, that was a way for me to to get tough. Mm. Like, uh, yeah, you know, I had my moments in elementary school, high school, but playing sports really got me got me lionhearted because mm. you was playing against some savages, like people who just either ain't had nothing to lose, or people who or people who knew that sports was gonna take them somewhere, and you had to compete with that. You had to really go after it, no matter what sports you was playing. And I think me being from Newark really kind of like put that killer in me, you know, really make me feel like, all right, no matter where I'm at, no matter what court I step on, no matter who I'm playing against, it's kill, 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 or be killed, or be embarrassed. And I think that it's it's a blessing and a curse because sometimes it's a blessing because, you know, you got that big heart, you got that big spirit, you want to fight. And other times, somebody say something sick to you, and it's like, all right, you know, <laughs> I don't care about none of this basketball stuff. So you gotta kinda like know the balance and know when to like check check yourself like all right, listen, you ain't in judge no more. You playing in a in a in a feeble world tournament, the world, the world is watching you. So you can't really react how you react if you're at home. Or you know, you gotta check yourself because kids watch you now. So you can't really say stuff or do certain gestures to make it seem like, oh wow, she's a professional or she's a product of, of, of her environment. So I think uh being from North definitely is a blessing and a curse, but it but uh more so a blessing than anything. No, that's dope. It's it's definitely a challenge where you gotta have that balance of knowing, like, all right, you're not just gonna disrespect me, but at the same time, the, exactly. the stage we we at, I gotta be able to go about it a certain certain type of way. But if we was back home, <laughs> oh, we was back home with on. So so the lights go out. <laughs> For you, I just wanna ask like a side question. Like we hear it a lot, especially over this last uh year with the Caitlin Clarks of the world, the Angel Reese's of the world. 
that, oh, you know, stop talking trash. Like, what's your thoughts on talking trash in the game of basketball, specifically women? Because obviously, I think it's a double standard. They have no problem yeah. when men do it. But this last couple of seasons, it's like, oh, my gosh, that's unprofessional. You shouldn't do that. But I think it actually it actually enhances the game and it makes it more fun. Yeah, me, I don't see a problem with it. I mean, I, I think it's about uh, the way you talk trash, though. Like, if you're talking trash to somebody in the game, when it comes to the game of basketball, like, oh, you can't guard me, or watch out, score the next point, or, or I mean, I'm playing tight D, then it kind of makes it more fun and competitive. But when you take uh, when you take trash talking to make it personal, that's when it kind of, like, waters down the game a little bit because what my mother got to do with it? You know, what my grandma, what my grandmother got to do with it? Like, what, what, like, what, what, my, what my sister do? What my kid do? So I kind of feel like there's, there's, there's levels to trash talking at all, but I don't see a problem with it. Like, I love it. I encourage it. I think it kind of brings out the competitiveness and people, it kind of made people want to go hard, make one because everybody want to win. Nobody wants to lose, whether it's by one point or whether it's by whether y'all going to triple overtime and still lose by two points. Nobody wants to lose. And I think that uh, trash talking kind of brings, like like you said, a healthy competitiveness to the game. It kind of made people, like, really go after it and really just that they A-game up and play. Um, Angel Reese and Caleb Carter was a, was a perfect situation. Um, I think that was a great way of trash talking. They got Caleb Jenner doing this, and they got Angel Reese doing this with the ring. And then they took that and then turned it into, like, a race thing. And I hate it because these are two college girls who just who are just competing and having fun. And they're not even knowing the backstory that these girls play AU together. So they have history and they're not and I'm pretty sure they're not being malicious towards each other. I'm pretty sure that they don't wish any any pain or suffering on each other. It's just the game that we play. And I think because they play on such a high level, like college, uh, at top schools, you have outside of looking in sometimes people who know nothing about basketball. And they're turning into something like, oh, they're trash talking. This isn't pretty. Oh, sit down, shut up, and be quiet. Like, why? Like, it's it's all about playing ball. It's all about having fun. It's all because at the end of the day, what they do at the end of the game, everybody got to clap hands. So is is it really beef? So I, I say just I enjoy it. I enjoy this trash talking. I do a little bit of trash talking myself, especially like when I'm in my bag. I don't see nothing wrong with it. I just wish that you know people kind of like make trash talking inclusive like if the men do it why the women can do it you know why the why we got to get a tech when we say certain things so i just said there was kind of like a balance to it but i do encourage i do love the trash talking i do a little bit myself here and there that's what i was saying it was interesting too uh it was a lot of this is how i felt because you know it was such on a, a big stage and you know more people mm -hmm. are getting tuned but it was a lot of casuals that weren't really actually educated on the game and understood the game that was common on it and making it something completely different than what it was because at the end of the day it came out that they these girls is friends they're exactly they're mm -hmm. friends and you know from jersey new york area you talking trash and literally in the game the players be like yo it's all love it's all love right. it's all love once the game is over we good like you said my mother don't know you. She ain't, my mother ain't doing <laughs> Right. Don't bring my mama. Up. So as long as you keep it basketball, I think that's always where it's, it's great. You keep it basketball, you can't garbage, whatever you got to say, keep it strictly basketball. Now, you started in third grade. You said your mom taught you and everything. Growing up, though, who are some players that you might have looked up to or tried to model your game after? 
Oh, this is a great question because uh, one of my favorites to watch was comedy Kathy Pondexter, uh, Epiphany Prince. Um, you know, obviously I watched them inside Kobe, you know, um, those type of people. But I think uh, on the women's side specifically, I gra gravitated more towards the Kathy Pondexter, the, the Epiphany Prince, the Essence Carson, because those are real ballers. And and I grew up in an era where I can go outside and watch them in New York at the at the West Fourth tournament, or I can go to to New York Liberty down a block from from my house and 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 watch them play, and they look just like me, you know, not in the sense of just like features, but they're black women who raised what Chicago, New York, so I modeled my game, tried to model my game specifically to Kathy Pondex because she was a she could go. Like on every aspect of the court, whether it was defense, whether it was offense, whether it was being a leader on the bench, talking to the teammates, clapping it up, it was just such a sight to see because I'm just like, wow, like I've never seen anything like this. Like I wanna, I want my game to look like this, or I want my defense to look like that. And um, yeah, like those those women definitely set the tone. Those women definitely, you know, have done some good things in their career right now. I know Kathy Pondex is retired. I know Eclipse Press is still playing uh, with the Liberty right now. They just lost to, to Vegas for the finals. Uh, Essence Carson, she's not playing no more. But um, I just grew up in an era where I was watching some real ballers hoop. And um, obviously, I watched Kobe Bryant as well. Rest in peace to him. He was a a, a great athlete to, to just, like, pick up key moves or key leadership stuff. And um, yeah, like the watching those people, I was just like, wow, like okay, I can do this if I just if I go this path, or if I if I do this differently, or if I stay in the gym a little bit longer, or if I get to the gym a little bit more earlier, you know. So it was definitely it was definitely a sight to see growing up. Tiffany Prince, Essence Carson, definitely need their flowers, and I think a name that needs her flowers, and I've been on this boat. By myself, oftentimes, Cappy Pondexter does not get talked about enough. And I'm like, to me, on some of those teams, too, if she wasn't playing with the Diana Taurasi's of the world and playing with where it's like stacked teams, Cappy could have went an average 25 easy. She could be top three scoring all time easy. She played the game right. She did, like you said, she did whatever the team needed, that's what she did. And I think people sleep because she she played her role. She did what she was supposed to do, score when she needed to play D. But if Cappy was in a position where it was just Cappy team, mm -hmm. people don't know how it cool. Yeah, yeah. People will definitely put some respect on her name. And uh, I still follow her Instagram to this day, and I'm I'm happy that she's she doing well, but I would much rather see her still hooping on the court. And she can play with any team now. But uh, you you know how the world is. They go with what's hot, and then whatever was not, they just like kind of throw it on the back burner. So I'd love to see Kathy again, one more season. But we'll see what happens. You ended up going to Savannah State, HBCU. Yeah. What was that process like? Was there any other school possibly outside of Savannah State? Yeah, there was dozens of schools outside of Savannah State, actually. Uh, there was St. Peter, there was Virginia, there was Georgia Tech, there was uh, South Carolina at one point. Um, but the thing was, my my senior high school, I had like a like a minor tear in my in my right knee. So a lot mm -hmm. of those schools backed off. You know, back then, I, I, was in, I went to college 2010, that was my first year. And you know, back then, if college is here, 
any injury, slightest injury that's going to stop their star play or their freshman from coming in. They like, they washing their hands with them. So um, I was I was really going to go to, my eyes was really on Georgia Tech because obviously I, I love this South. I wanted, they had a great program. They got rid of, they got rid of the coach at that time. But there was, a, there was a school that just stayed on me the whole time throughout my senior year. And that was Savannah State. Coach, Coach Cedric Baker, he's still there to this day. He even, drove, he even came down to Jersey to watch my uh, game during the Christmas tournament in the snow. It was like he was just so consistently uh, showing that he wanted me at his school. And I'm just like, wow, like, no, none of the teams are doing this. None of the big schools are doing this. Like they just sending me, uh, they just sending me visit papers, but nobody's really coming to my backyard to see where I come from, to show their interest in me, to show me why their program is better. And this guy is. So uh, he came He came to Jersey, watched him play in the Christmas tournament, came over to my house for dinner, officially invited me to uh, to come visit campus. I went to go visit campus, and the day of my visit was homecoming. Shannon Sharp was there. I met Shannon Sharp, man, who got the same birthday. They they made sure that this visit was the visit. Shannon Sharp was there. Oh, they had the same, right. Shannon Sharp was there. Finally, man, had the same birthday. I met him personally. I seen the school, went to the homecoming tailgate, went to the football game, football team ended up winning. It was just like the experience that I experienced at that at that visit was like, yo, where do I sign? Like the whole experience of just like and and I and let me be clear, I knew nothing about HBCUs before that guy came to Jersey. I knew I didn't even know there was an HBCU thing that categorized historically black college university i had no idea that even existed mm. and then when i went to the homecoming and went to the visit i'm just like like these are these like all my cousins like what where, where y'all been at like it was just such an such an experience i'm just like i want to do this for four years like i mean obviously it ain't just just gonna be about you know fun and the parties and the tailgate and all that but I want to see what type of woman I want to be once I leave this establishment. And I think that Savannah State was, it wasn't my first choice, but it was my best choice. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that, you know, going to HBCU at the age I went and where I'm coming from and me going 13 hours away from Jersey was a huge jump. Because usually, you know, kids in Jersey, they go on to St. John, St. Peter's, like right around the corner from the home, right, right around the corner from the house. So at, for, at first I was nervous, so when I finally got there, everybody showed me mad love. Like people showed me mad love. Oh, you the freshman? You the freshman from Jersey? Oh, I heard you. You sound like you from up north. You know, like I was. It was just. It was just crazy. And 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 you know, once the classes started, my professors looked like me. Once uh, once the once I once the team started, all my teammates looked like me. It was, I just feel like it was a home away from home. And honestly, it was one of the best decisions that I would make, you know, I made. And, you know, there was noise in the background. Oh, why she go to Savannah State? You know, she should have went to like a top school, blah, blah. And and I've been hearing it all my life, even growing up. When I went to science high school, everybody was telling me, why you go to Shabazz? Why you go to university? No, I don't want to go where everybody going. Like, I don't want to be in the shadow of nobody. I've been in the shadow all my life growing up. I'm the, I'm the youngest child. I've been in the shadow <laughs> All my life, I want to go somewhere I can make a name for myself. And going to Savannah State was a, definitely a huge leap of faith. But you know, I had my coach who was who was by my side throughout the, all my four years, even when I got injured. And I and I managed to do great things at Savannah State. You know, first home to score two thousand points. You know, winning me at conference uh, championship my last year there. 
uh, lead all time in what steals. So I did great things that even even started playing with the national team when I was at Savannah. My assistant coach introduced me to the national team coach for Nigeria. So I even started playing with the Nigeria national team because I went to Savannah State. So, um, like I said, it wasn't the first decision, but it was honestly the best decision for me. Hey, God's plan is better than ours because hey. how that all worked out. And we was going to touch you, and you already you already broke it down. We, <laughs> it was literally about I was reading and doing the research. To this day, till this day, mm-hmm. you are still either number one or top five in about ten categories at Savannah State. The legacy is like still to this day. So you definitely made an impact while you were there. You mentioned the Shabazzes of the world. How was those matchups? Because I remember when I was growing up, mm-hmm. and even once I got I got into high school when I think you were starting your sophomore year. I got into high school. I finished high school twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. I remember I went to West Orange High. I remember going to play Shabazz, seeing all the banners, seeing everything. <laughs> I heard about Shabazz. We went to Shabazz. Security guard is like, I don't know why y'all coming in here. We're like, what you mean? Y'all not ready for this greatness. Y'all, y'all ain't going to be nothing with it. And he said that to the men and the women in high school. So I'm like, oh, gosh. And my sister played high school ball. And when she went to high school, Shabazz was still university, still something different. What were those matchups like for you, especially being I'm like you. I love being an underdog. I love being, oh, yeah, you guys are ranked this, that, and the third. What were those matchups like for you? Those, honestly, those matchups was crazy. It, they, they were fun. I mean, obviously, we got smacked. <laughs> obviously, we got smacked by, like, 20, 30 points. But I think the matchups going in for sure was definitely fun. Uh, for me specifically, I'm sure for my teammates as well. But when I look back on it now, I was the only one who, out of my team, who kind of like took basketball serious. Hmm. So for me, it was more like, okay, go in here and do the best you can because you'll know who's watching. And um, and I think, you know, going to Shabazz and playing them, because let me science, we we wasn't terrible. Like we was beating everybody in our in our in our district, in our bracket, but we were we were only losing to Shabazz University. Mm-hmm. And granted, because they had the top athletes, everybody wanted to go there. So they was they literally that's what that's what you call stack teams back then. <laughs> like people talk about, oh, but they got stack teams. No, you want to hear you you want no stack teams. Look at years ago when university had a team, Shabazz had a team. Um, but it was fun, like to play against uh to play against my childhood friends and to just compete against them the best way I can and just you know, regardless of the end result, just do what I could, whether it was score 20 points or whether it was score or whether it was have 20 assists. You know, my teammates were just happy to be on the floor. And I was happy to just, to just compete because I didn't know who was watching. And mm-hmm. then I remember playing against um playing against university. I did so well and I ended up making my first newspaper book, uh, headline. So that was like that, like even though we lost, that was just excited to see, like, okay, well. This proves again, you just never know who's watching. Like, yeah, you lost, but you went out there and you competed. You did your best. You did your thing. And people are gonna people gotta remember that. So it was but it was always fun after that. It was always exciting. Even though we lost, it was just exciting to compete and just see my homegirls at the game and just play and just still talk junk and then hear people in the fans and things like that. So it was always fun for me. Those were the best games on the competitive side and to you, like you just mentioned, the fans get into it, like. That to me, playing the Shabazz University, the sciences of the world. When you played in those schools specifically, like in North, 
and you know Madison Esau's and whatnot. But that was like our MSG. Like the way the fans came there, that was like Madison Square Garden essentially. Like never played in Madison Square Garden, but Madison right. was just as lit because they all the way. It kind of was like you know they got the band going, the fans are stacked up like completely different. Yeah, I love. Oh, you missed! Like, oh, absolutely, absolutely loved it. Uh, I want to go back. You mentioned the Savannah State aspect. You mm -hmm. went where you was wanted. They wanted you. They actually put the effort in and showed we want you. They were consistent. I just wanted to say on that aspect, like I think that's dope, and I think a lot of athletes don't think of that mindset. Like you just said, though, you they wanted you. They pursued you while other teams didn't do that. So for those that's watching this, younger athletes, go where you're wanted. Yes. I think, yeah, I think that's a underestimated thing that people think about. Like you said, some, oh, the Dukes and the North Carolina and the UCLA's. But if the school wants you, that's where I think you should go. So I think that was great that you actually did that and had the mindset to do so, especially at age mm -hmm. 18, you know, most – most high school kids coming out, I'm going to go to the biggest school with the biggest platform, and we exactly. on TV 12 times this year, I'm going there. Yeah. So. And they've been told what they want, you know, and not really taking advantage of their future and saying, nah, this is where I start making my own decisions. Because college, that's what you do for the start making the tough decisions, because you have a lot of freedom. And I think that if you know what you, if you know what you want going in, it's going to be so much easier to just be able to stand on 10 toes and make your decisions moving forward. Do you want to just be an athlete at a top school who the coach maybe remember your name, maybe remember you to sub you in the game, or do you want to go somewhere where the coach really value and really want you to say, all right, listen, you come to my school, I got this, 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 line up for you, all I got to do is play basketball and graduate. So I think it's about that too. All facts right there. You mentioned while you was at Savannah State, so – assistant coach introduce you to the coach from Nigeria what was that like for you to now be playing I mean you have the shirt you obviously it's not like oh yeah you know I'm Nigerian no you actually embrace your culture what was that like to play for your country I I just I want to know that I know that got to hit different like yeah it it hit it hit different it hit completely different like well well let me start here my mom is american and my dad's nigerian my mother was born and raised in south carolina and then moved to jersey and then my my dad is born and raised in nigeria full-blown nigerian man to the to the t so to play for to play for a junior the junior team at that time was like unheard of like here i am getting my nigerian passport here i am you know, going to a country in France, to France to play our first uh, qualifying tournament. And back then, uh, when I started with the youth team, we were, we were traveling a lot. Like, we didn't have the funds that we did because we were just starting out, but we were traveling to different countries trying to play front games and get sponsorships for money. So to to be able to go from a sophomore being at the state to now become an international athlete at such a young age, I'm just like, I never thought I would be here. I never thought I would be playing for Nigeria, going to France at such a young age. And it was, I was just like, every day was a humble experience because I'm like, nobody is doing this at my age. Like maybe they're doing this somewhere else in the world, but you're not hearing girls from North going to play for for their national country. 
you know, some of the kids in North don't even know where they really come from, for real, outside of being from Newark, New Jersey. <laughs> so it was, honestly, it was just a humbling experience. And then to get invited to try out for the senior level team now, where we're, like, playing for more national tournaments, we're traveling more, where we have kind of, like, a, a reputation to hold. I was like, wow, like, this is, like, I, okay, like, I, this is what I, this is what, all the work has been for. This is what this this is why I worked so hard since third grade for this moment right here, and it's just honestly, it's, every day is a humbling experience. Um, things not going too well with my national team right now, but I mean, I feel like all national teams are like family. Sometimes you have fights, sometimes y'all get along, sometimes y'all don't. So I think we're I'm just, I'm just at a stage right now where we're not getting along at the moment, but whenever they call me to play, I'm there. That's that's great. And, and for you, right? Third grade, you mentioned, you know, high school, Savannah State, Nigerian team. Was this one of your goals? Did you envision any of this happening? Playing college ball, playing for Nigerian team in Italy, playing right now. Did you envision any of this? Was this any of your goals? And it's like, all right, this is a check mark. This is my goal. I already envisioned this is going to happen. Was that the case for you? It didn't really become my goal when I see how good I was at, at it. And that that happened. I kind of got that light switch when I signed my full scholarship to go to Savannah State. Because, I mean, when you're growing up, you, you always say you want to do things. You want to you be this when you're you want to be that when you grow up. And then sometimes you change your mind. And then also sometimes you got to be real with yourself. Like, am I good enough to play D1 ball or am I just good enough to be playing, you know, in a mirror or 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 somewhere where people might know me, but they don't really know who I am for real. So when I got my full basketball scholarship to the better state and and the kids that's watching full scholarship means my mama don't pay for nothing. She'll pay for books. She'll pay for room and board. She'll pay for uniforms, sneakers, none of that. Full scholarship entails they pay for everything my whole career. And I knew right then at that moment, okay, this is something that, this is my goal. I want to play D1 basketball at the highest level. I either want to play in WBA or I want to play overseas. At that moment, I start checking, making check boxes now and start checking things off. I get my scholarship. I'm like, okay, check. I want to win a championship. I want to play basketball at the highest level. Check. Once I got signed with the Nigerian national team, that's me playing at the highest level now or starting to play at the highest level now. Check. I got invited to play this on the senior level team. Well, I got my MEAC championship. Check. I mm -hmm. got invited to play for the senior national team for the Nigerian national for the Nigerian national team. Another high level. Check. I made it to the fucking Olympics. Excuse my French. The Olympics. And even that within itself was just like no way because if I'm being honest, on paper, what Nork person you know or what person you know from the east coast has been to the olympics so check so i i didn't know all this the, the, all this all these goals didn't spark until i made it to a point where i'm like okay i know i have talent now people know i have talent now this is where i kick up this is where i get in my bag and show i'm cut from a different cloth because i'm different from anybody else i'm setting my i'm setting my myself apart from where i where I'm from and that's when I was able to be like okay cool now if I want to have these goals what come with those goals hard work being staying focused uh good and good grades because 
back then when I was in college, if you didn't have at least a 2.0, you, you wasn't playing on nobody court. Hmm. So I had to make sure I was focused on the court and off the court. Was I in the gym getting better every day? Was I was I staying focused? Was I staying committed? Was I staying, you know, was I staying dedicated to the game? What type of friends was I having around? Because I'm a firm believer in you are who you hang around. <laughs> show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. And I started to be like, okay, cool. If I'm going to have these goals, if I'm going to be able to, you know, continue to compete at a high level, if I'm going to continue to play with the national team, there's some things that I got to step away from. There's some things I got to step towards. And that all, all that revelation started ninth, my, my first year, my first year, freshman year. And then I just kind of stuck with it. You know, it was definitely, it wasn't easy. I had my injuries, you know, two on rotated cuff, two on my ACL my sophomore year, uh, hurt my wrist, hurt my thumb. So I definitely had, you know, the, the little roadblocks along the way. But once I stayed like kind of locked in and focused on what I really wanted, then I'm like, okay, cool. Nobody else can, nobody can do this journey but me, regardless of what the journey continue, continues to entail. And, you know, just like every girl that played basketball, one of my goals was to make it league. And obviously I didn't go to me, if, I, if I'm being real, the league is so political. Some of the women that's playing the league now, I play against them overseas. I played against them in Olympics. I played against them in the World Cup. And I could go with them. But it's just about who you know. Or it's about the conversation that people are having when you're not around. But I'm, I was grateful that I'm able to play overseas. I've been playing overseas nine years now, two years in Portugal, one year in Germany, one year in Budapest, uh, three years in France, one year in Russia, not Italy. So I may not have been able to play like, you know, in my backyard with my family and friends come to the game, but I'm even more blessed that I'm able to come to these different countries and play and the money tax free. So, you know, that ain't different. <laughs> Yeah, tax-free is the difference. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, like, to answer your question in a nutshell, I think that, um, you know, once I realized what my goals were and kind of got them down on paper and kind of stayed focused and like that, I was able to just, like, all right, check, check, check. I think that's a key thing that you mentioned, too, that you wrote it down. Like, you got to write these things down. Yeah. Write down, you know, the Bible talks about write down the vision, make it plain. Like, you need to write it down, see it, and then, like, it's beautiful being able to check it off. Like, all right, I did this. And I think it's safe to say, outside looking in, and obviously because you're at the place where you're at nine years in, you were very, very, very mature for your age. To have that all be the thought process at 18, 19 years old, this is the plan. This is what I need to do. I'm sticking to it. I'm going to see it through to the end. Not a lot again. I just want to give you your flowers and props on that regard yeah. because I know a lot of 18 year olds, freshmen in college, that's not thinking that way, making the sacrifices. Oh, I can't hang with this person, I can't do this. If it was more people like that mindset, you would see more people. Oh, he made it to the league because we all know, especially coming from again, Jersey, New York, yeah. it's always a list of players like, yo, whatever happened to. Oh, he could have, yo, he was cold in high school. He could have been, she could have been here, this, that, and third, but something along the way, the roadblock stopped it from happening. And everything we just mentioned for those that's watching, this is a perfect example when people say levels, there's levels to this. But from North, she's here, it's level. 
his level Olympics, <laughs> like his levels to the like you said, nobody's doing like levels. Olympics, yeah. nine years playing. It's is different. Once you hit certain things, then we could have a certain discussion. But right now, we Olympics. Nigerian national team. Right. And Olympics, I think, is like the highest thing, is the highest level. Because after like after the Olympics, what else is there? And That's the top players of the world. Exactly. Like, and these we're talking about from all over the world. I was at the Olympics and I was hearing countries I never even heard of. You ever heard of Kazakhstan? Nah. <laughs> you know they had one guy from Kazakhstan, and Kazakhstan I think got like a got like a a, a population of maybe like one million people. Wow. To have one person, I mean my math may not be mathing right now, but to have one person out of a million people represent a whole country. That's levels. To have four people or ten people represent a country of five million or ten million, that's levels. And I was around countries I never even knew existed. I was around sports I never even knew existed. I seen heights that I never even knew existed. And that's I feel like the Olympics, that's the ultimate level. That's I think that's where if you're playing sport, that's what that's the main goal that anybody wanna go to. Yeah, you see it all the time, the athletes that, you know, they embrace putting on their country's jersey because it's just, like you said, the best players from everywhere in the world. When did you decide that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and start your own business, a cosmetics line? When did that happen for you? Because I think that's dope. Not only are you playing ball, but you're a business owner. Yes, that uh, that happened for me. Actually, when I got hurt, when I got mm. hurt, I got hurt my my sophomore year. I took my ACL. It was a season ending uh, injury, and I'm just like, I, I got hurt. I can't play ball no more. Basketball is all I know. Eat, sleep, shit. Basketball, literally. Mm. That's scary. Because what I got to fall back on besides my degree. Like, what am I, outside of basketball, what am I going to do in my life? And I didn't know the answer. And I'm just like, nah, that's, that's scary. That's nah. Like, I gotta, I gotta find my niche. I gotta find what's for me. So for two years, I do my research, you know, outside of, outside of, you know, basketball, I'm a girly girl. Like, I like to put my makeup on, I like to put my lip gloss, my lipstick on, I like to throw my heels on get cute, you know, you know the vibes. Like I, I I love to I love to do that. And I'm like, okay, what can I what can I do that that resonates with me? But I can also reach out to my my fellow black queens, my fellow girls who also like to, you know, get all dolled up after they finish playing playing the game against a top school. And I'm like, cosmetics. Cosmetics has such longevity. It's never longevity meaning for the people that's watching, it's never gonna die out. Makeup is always gonna be a thing from now for generations to come. And I'm like, okay, well, this is something I could tap into, but what's specifically about cosmetics that I think will help me? And I'm like, well, I'm not really big on like the makeup and stuff. And I'm not really big on, you know, know how to do exactly what the, you know, you know how the girls, you got the girls who do it and the girls who know, kind of like fake know how to do it. So I'm like, okay, well, lipstick and lip gloss. Let me find something that's, that's sweat proof. Let me find something that's for the girls who want to play 
who want to play with their lipstick and, and don't want it to come off. And I, I started creating a plan. I started reaching out to researchers. I started reaching out to to uh, different brands who who make products specifically for women like me who love sports and want to stay active but still want to, like I said, get cute and dolled up. Then my senior year, I finally come up with my plan to do uh, my Kalu Cosmetics line, uh, a line specifically for the for the sports or fitness women who who are sweating or who who always on the go who who don't have time to do their makeup. They have the lipstick, they have the lip gloss, they have my lip products to to kind of keep them keep them in the sense of still feeling pretty and feeling confident while they're doing all the things that they're doing, whether it's on the court or off the court. And I think that uh once I kind of got my game plan going, it was easy for me to tap it to uh other to other things like, okay, I have my cosmetics line. Now, what I want to do outside of that, do I want to create a nonprofit organization? Do I wanna get into the hair company that I want to start selling clothes. My my entrepreneurial light just kept flashing, 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 flashing. And I'm like, well, let me just stick to what I know right now, build my cosmetics business. And then once, you know, once I start to get a little older and so once I see how business actually works, I get to tap into other markets. But I think that entrepreneurs entrepreneurial spirit definitely tapped in once I got hurt because I'm like, I need something to fall back on. You know, basketball, you can't play basketball forever. I mean, you could be like LeBron, play 30 seasons, but at the end, what do you have to fall back on? And, you know, not being able to play basketball, not being able to not being able to walk and not being able to, you know, go to the games, actually get out there on the court and play, that scares the hell out of me. And I'm like, I gotta have a backup plan. I gotta have something to fall back on when I'm not able to play basketball because it's gonna come a time and place where I physically either can't play no more. Or something has happened where I, I got to step away from the game, and um, yeah, that's that's how all that came about. Shout out, shout out to you to having that mindset to actually doing that. The best of athletes you see, you mentioned LeBron, you mentioned the Colbys of the world, you mentioned Candace Parkers of the world. Before mm-hmm. I even get to that point, I'm already planning it. So before yeah. you saw with Candace Parker, before she even retired, she on TNT. She's like, I got. I already got this lined up. I'm gonna be working on TNT, calling games, doing the off season. So then, once I'm fully done, smooth transition in the deck. Exactly. Obi doing movies, LeBron doing movies, writing books and stuff like that. So that for those that's watching too, like basketball is not something that oh I played till I was 85. No, that doesn't. <laughs> Facts. It <laughs> doesn't happen. Man. It's not like a regular. It's not like a regular job where you working at Target and you could work there till you 75 as a greeter. It's not the same yeah. thing. Your and body. Sport, and sorry to cut I think you was about to say it. Sports, it, it puts so much on your body. And sometimes it, it can either make you or break you. And you gotta have you gotta have something set up and plan where if if shit hits the fan, excuse my French. If things hit the fan, you gotta have something that, where you could back up and you know have that have your retirement plan and check have have those savings where you could be able to still travel and do what you want to do with your family or or with your friends or whatever, and and that's the most important thing that I think that people forget. Like basketball is basketball will be around forever, but you your body won't be around forever. So you gotta have some type of plan in place for it that says, okay, if I stop hooping. I got this. If I stop hooping, I got this lined up. I got my A, B, C, you know, A, B, C, D, D plans. Now, another branch, another extension of what you do, mm-hmm. you've walked in New York Fashion Week. You've walked in different shows. 
when did that love for fashion start and actually modeling and deciding to walk in fashion shows and fashion week like when did that start that started well i always loved modeling like uh growing mm. up in jersey we used to have like uh modeling camps at like i said westside park ucc community we used to have modeling camps but i didn't get serious uh once i got to college and you know in college especially at hbcu they got modeling groups now we're mm. talking about like modeling groups that come out um dressing a light like different colors, different styles, having fashion shows, having runway competitions, hair shows, makeup shows. So I was so into that. So once I left college, I'm like, okay, I want to do this outside of basketball. I want to do this for real because I love modeling. And then uh, I, I linked up with a few friends who were part of a modeling group. They were part of an agency. I'm not signed for agency, but I was able to just like, just walk with them in a few shows. And I did my first New York fashion week, uh, like back in 2020 and I was like wow like this is this this is what I want to do like I love modeling and to do New York fashion we have design designers I couldn't even name clothes on me that was worth thousands clothes on me that was that that's been in like a, a damn museum for the past few months I was like wow like people got people one girl over here doing my nails one girl over here doing my hair next year doing my makeup I was just like it's it's like it's not like basketball, but it is in the sense of a rush. You know, it is when you put on those hills and you walk in the runway, you got people watching. You know, those are your fans, and it, it's exciting. Like I love modeling. I love teaching modeling. Uh, in a in I live in Atlanta. I've been living in Atlanta for two years now, and during the summer I do like a kids modeling camp. Where I teach the kids how to model, mm -hmm. teach, teach the girls etiquette. You know, how to sit like a lady, how to talk like a lady. So um, I I enjoy it. I love I enjoy fashion. I enjoy you know walking for different brands and different shows. My goal is to uh, maybe do Paris Fashion Week one day, Milan Fashion Week. You know, walk with these high end, high, real high end designers. And um, I think I love it just as much as basketball, actually, because I feel like with modeling, now that's something you can do for a long time. I look at the Naomi Campbells. Look at the Tower Banks. Look at the the uh it's another uh model who modeled years ago named Janelle Janelle something, but I look at those and I'm just like wow like outside of basketball I can still do something that involves me putting on my best game and having people watch and cheer when you come down the runway and honestly I I love it I love it. It definitely sounds like a dope experience, mm -hmm. like you said that that rush aspect. Mm -hmm. You've already put stuff on paper and reached goals on the court. I don't think it's hard to believe that if you put those goals down for the fashion aspect, you'll be doing that too. So we'll be on the lookout. We'll probably see you in Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see it at some point. And we'll be like, yeah, she said that first on here. Like, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Very successful on the court off the court what would you say have been some of your factors that attribute to your success oh that's a great question um staying humble for sure because I've been humble quite a few times <laughs> staying humble for sure um like we said at the beginning knowing exactly what I want and uh and why I'm doing it um and just uh, my mindset of, of what I want for my future because ultimately ultimately, what I want outside of basketball, outside of modeling is generational wealth 
Um, I want my kids, kids, kids to be able to, you know, not have to work so hard every day, not have to work seven days a week, not have to work for, you know, just not have to work so hard for the thing that they want. They can still enjoy the, they can, they can enjoy their job. They can go to school, no problem. They can get, get scholarships to get, you know, get the thing that they want, not handed to them, but they don't got to work super hard and stress themselves out. I come from a single parent household. Like, yes, my dad was around, but I grew up with me and my, and my other three siblings in one house for the most of my childhood. And I love my mama to death, but I don't want, I don't want that same struggle growing up. I don't want my kids to have that same struggle growing up. Um, I don't always want to, them to see my mom as the strong black woman. She's doing everything on her own. No, <laughs> I don't want that at all. And in order to to get that, those factors playing like being humble, you know, knowing when to speak up, knowing when to just sit back and watch, you know, knowing when to give a hundred percent, and knowing when to dial it back a little bit so that, you know, you give somebody else a chance to kind of like point you in the direction where you need to go. And um, and, and I think the most important thing too is belief. Uh, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody will. Like I'm a I'm a huge believer in manifestation. I believe that everywhere, everywhere, every place I've gotten, it's because I've spoken into existence. It's because I've written it down. It's because I said I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. And if I keep that mindset, if I keep that that one of those main factors in my mind that you know, if you if you really fight for what you want, if you really if you really sit back and make a plan, anything is possible. And all those factors have definitely played a, a major, major, major key in my success where I am today. And uh, like I said, being humble too. Like a lot of times, people get to get to this level where where I am, and they just they get big headed or they talk like with a chip on their shoulder or they forget that you're here because of God and you follow a certain plan and you follow a certain journey. And I've definitely, like I said, I've definitely been humbled a couple of times with my ACL, with my shoulder, with, you know, both my wrists because they'll set me down for what I love to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I've definitely managed to just like, just open my eyes a little bit more, kind of see that you're here for a reason. You're not here because God would say, okay, Olympics, okay, scholarship, okay, entrepreneur, like, no, like you, you've, you've done the work. You just got to just stay humble, stay in your mind, stay focused, not have tunnel vision. And then, you know, everything will continue to fall into place. That's life lessons right there. <laughs> everything you said. I'll right be spitting, I'll be spitting gems low key. <laughs> Those that watch this and listen to this episode definitely will, if they listening and if they paying attention, there's a lot that you can gather from this episode. We have one more question before we transition to the last segment, which is what we call the fourth quarter segment, which is okay. kind of like some that. fun questions, get to know you okay. a little better. But the last thing we want to ask, because especially, especially with all the wisdom and everything that you've dropped so far, if there is anything else or anything specifically that you would want to say as advice to the girl that's watching this, that, that lives in North, to the girl that's watching this, in Patterson or somewhere in New York or anywhere in America or in, in Italy that wants to be able to achieve success at the highest level. We're not even talking about sports. Like 
you have your clothes, you, you, you're doing everything on and off the court and it's successful. What would be a one piece of advice or something that you would say to them to like, this is how, or this is what you should do to get to that highest level? Um, I would say, believe in yourself. More importantly, believe that you can achieve it. Um, stay focused. You know, whatever dreams you have, those dreams can't come true. Um, damn, there's so much I want to say. Um, stay humble. Stay focused. Uh, if something don't go your way one day, don't worry. Just keep, just keep working. Keep striving for it. Uh, write down your thoughts. You know, speak to somebody, whether it's your parents, whether it's your friends. Uh, whatever you're feeling, it's okay to feel. Um, you're also too. You're not going crazy. <laughs> mm. Like I think that, like whatever thought that you're thinking, whatever feeling that you're feeling, you have a right to feel that way. Uh, whatever thoughts that you're feeling, don't think that something's wrong with me or I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm feeling crazy. No, that's just your mental health growing with you as a person. And I think a lot of times that we forget that as well, that outside of the sports, outside of real life, we are humans within ourselves first. And we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take care of our, take care of our mind, body, and our spirits. And, you know, once you have that in a nutshell, everything else will be so much easier. You know, nobody will be able to tell you what you can and can't do. You know, follow your dreams, follow your heart, um, stay grounded, stay humble. Your time will come. You know, the have believe in the power of the tongue. Whatever you speak will happen, whether it's five minutes or five years from now. And um, have strong faith. Uh, whatever your faith is, whatever you believe in, believe, believe that and believe that that aura, that spirit can definitely take you a lot of places. That could be an episode in itself <laughs> of what we're talking about, especially the you're not going crazy. Yes. That literally could just be a discussion in itself. Hmm. Taking care of the mental, the spiritual, the physical, all of that, the emotional aspect, like that is an episode in itself. Thank you for breaking that down. Thank you for sharing no that. <laughs> like I said, that literally, we don't have enough time to even go into that. That's, <laughs> a, whole, that's a whole other thing. Hopefully people listen, they take it, and they actually you know, start to break that down and look at their mental, their yeah. physical, emotion, and, and actually take that serious. Because to your point, if that stuff ain't, ain't taken care of, your mental, your spiritual, emotionally, the physical ain't going, it's not going to work. Yeah. Like, at some point, it's going to break down because everything else isn't, isn't in a good state where it needs to be at. Exactly. Fourth quarter segment. I think mm -hmm. we might know the answer to this one. Fourth quarter. <laughs> I think we might know the answer to this one, but we ask every guest, what is your favorite meal? Oh, I got a couple. I got a couple. Okay, so my top, my top favorite meal is fish and grits. Ooh, okay. I love me some fish and grits. Like I don't know 
what it is. Maybe it's like a little bit of Southern thing. Maybe it's like because my mom be doing her thing thing in the kitchen. But our fish and grits are my go-to. It's to fried tilapia with grits. And I'm putting sugar in my grits every time. Like I hate people be doing all the extra stuff, putting cheese and eggs and, and salt and pepper in the grits. Nah, only only thing that goes in grits is sugar. <laughs> like I don't want to hear nothing else. <laughs> Outside of that, outside of fish and grits, I do love me a good salmon meal. Whether mm. it's salmon with uh, sweet potato or salmon with rice or salmon with, with veggies, I don't care. I love a good salmon dish. And um, I also love a good pasta, whether it's like chicken and shrimp alfredo, Cajun chicken pasta, you know, any, any type of pasta. Because you're the guest and I don't want no beef, no smoke, I'm a oh. cheese and grits guy. Oh God! But no and 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 wait. So have you ever tried sugar in your grits? I've never tried it. Funny enough, funny enough, my wife likes sugar and grits. So when I make grits, she be <laughs> that's all. That <laughs> bad, bad sugar just <laughs> with a little bit of butter. Set that thing up. Separate bowls. Separate bowls. Here's your grits. Here's my grits. <laughs> Haven't tried it. She was trying to get me to try it. You gotta oh, try. Yeah, it won't be the same. It won't be the same for you. Just try a little bit. People always be like, oh, that's like cream of wheat. Nah, it's different. It's different. See, your wife, you got a good one over there. <laughs> you got a good one over there. <laughs> if you had to create a starting five, including yourself, who would be in that starting five? It could be your teammates. It could be People that you played against, people in the W, who would be on your starting five? That's tough. And okay. Including you, so and you're on the, you're on that roster. Okay, I'm putting Cappy at my one. Mm. Nah, Cappy, Cappy gonna go at the two with me. She gonna be she gonna be the three. I, who gonna be my point guard? Epiphany Prince gonna be my point guard. Mm. Me and Cappy on the wing. I'm at the two. She has a three. My my forward gonna be. Actually, I know who my forward gonna be. It's this girl that plays for the Belgium national team, and I and, and I think she can go. Her name is uh Emma 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 Messiman. Okay. And I think my five gonna be. Probably Brittany Griner. Ooh. Cause nobody nobody's stopping her. Like that's a that's a beast within itself. <laughs> nobody's scoring. Nobody's scoring. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's scoring. Brittany holding down the paint. Nobody is nobody's scoring. And obviously we've seen it. The spurts that she played this season reminded people we're not stopping her. If she wanna go score, she gonna go. Exactly. So that's a that's a solid starting five right there. You mentioned, you know, the fashion league, and I was reading an article, you know, of course, that you're cognizant and Black-owned brands when it comes to fashion. Yeah. What would be some of the Black-owned brands that you would actually want to wear and walk for in a, a fashion show or a fashion week? Um. That's a good question. I definitely want to walk for a lady named Hanifa. She's uh she she just got into bridal actually, but she does 
amazing, amazing pieces. Hanifa official, uh, Tia Adeola. She's a, a young black woman just came, just come up in her eyes. Um, I would love to walk with Louis Vuitton now since they have Pharrell as the uh, new creative designer. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Um, I would love to walk for for Rihanna Savage Fenty. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? And probably, I'll probably have to say, I don't know if they're black owned, but I would love to walk for a uh, for a uh, Diesel mm. or a Spring Round. You know, they they I've seen a couple of their shows, and they're like they're really all all about putting the scene into their show. Like you're not just wearing clothes; like they put on a whole uh, show cast, a whole uh, masterpiece for the for the people that's watching. So, I I would really love to be a part of that. Definitely some dope names that you put out there for those that's watching. Definitely go check those yes. brands out for sure. Three things that you can't live without. Three things I can't live without. Oh, these are some tough questions. I can't live. Can I live without my phone? I'm not even going to tap like I can because I'm going to say my phone. <laughs> my phone I can't live without and I'm not just talking about like social media just like my phone period um ooh. and it's crazy you've seen me these questions before so I could have had time to think but I'm still <laughs> still not <laughs> alright so my phone food seafood ooh, okay. I love seafood I don't, I don't eat red meat. I don't eat pork. None of that. So I, I got to have my seafood. And third thing I can't live without. Damn. Third thing I can't live without. That's tough. And nothing even coming to mind right now. I'll probably have to say, I'm going to have to say sports. I'm going to have to say sports. And and not just basketball, like any sport. Like I love watching uh men's basketball. I love watching volleyball. Um, I love watching uh tennis with with the Serena's and the and the um um yeah sports sports my phone and food seafood for sure. Got it. We got two more questions before we get you out of here. Again, we okay. appreciate you being on for the show, sure. taking time out with us. You've played a lot of basketball, seen a lot of basketball. Mm -hmm. If you had to choose from either people that you've played against, played with, or people that you've seen play, who would be your favorite five basketball players of all time? My favorite Kobe Bryant. Obviously, Kathy Pondexter. Um, Kemba Walker. Ooh. Um, myself. One more. And this girl I know who can go named Shavante Zellis. She used to play in the league too for. For quite a few years, actually, but she's going to receive now in France. 
Got it. Last one before we get you out of here. Okay. Five people dead or alive that you want to have for a seafood meal since we ain't messing with the red meat, the pork, seafood. So five people for this seafood meal. Who are you having at that table? Um, I'm gonna have Biggie Smalls. Ooh, okay. Barack Obama. Rihanna. <laughs> this is such a weird table. <laughs> um. Who else? Who else? Who else? My mom. Hmm. Who gonna be that fifth person? And Kobe, for sure. I don't think that's a weird table. It's just black greatness there. That's that's what it, it is. is. It is black greatness, but everybody come from different, different, different worlds. You know, you got the president, you got RBC, you got a <laughs> a Hooper. My mom, who probably gonna know what's going on, she's gonna be there to have fun and eat. <laughs> you got entertainment. Greatness. You got entertainment, wisdom there. You gonna have some jokes. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a good table with some good eats for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> hey, y'all know the vibes. If you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. Bench mob, we out. Peace. Peace. <laughs>